0: sow your seed in the morning and do not be idle in the evening for you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed or whether both of them alike will be good the light is pleasant and it is good for the eyes to see the Sun indeed if a man should live many years let him rejoice in them all and let him remember the days of darkness for they will be many and everything that is to come will be futility Rejoice, young man, during your childhood and let your heart be pleasant during the days of your young manhood and follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes. Yet know that God will bring to judgment for all these things. So remove grief and anger from your heart and put away pain from your body because childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. It's an interesting passage for me. You kind of look at it and think, what in the world is Solomon getting at in verse 9? And we'll get there in a moment, but it seems like at first reading that there is some sense of indulgence in life that he is suggesting that the young partake in, but yet he gives us some clarity as we move down through the text. But all of this prepares us for chapter 12 as he brings all of this to a climax. But I want to begin this morning with a a quote from John Piper. And I did say this, some sister, I quoted from Piper once that she came up. Do you don't agree with everything he teaches, do you? No, I don't. But listen to me, if they speak the truth, then I'm going to quote from them, all right? But he had this observation and this came out of he was diagnosed with cancer and he wrote a book called Do Not Waste Your Life. And this was a reflection that he had. And he said, I will tell you what a tragedy is. I will show you how to waste your life. Consider this story from the Reader's Digest. A couple took an early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida where they cruise on their 30 foot trawler and play softball and collect shells. Picture them before Christ at the great day of judgment, which Solomon talks about here in chapter 11. Look, Lord, see my shells? That's a tragedy. The exhortation is that we learn how to end well, but more importantly, I would say this, that God created us to live a life with a single holy passion. And His supreme excellence is what we are to display in every sphere of our life. It is about the glory of God, not the glory of ourself. He goes on to say, the wasted life is a life without this passion. God calls us to pray, think, dream, plan, work, not to be made much of, but to make much of Him in every part of our life. Our life is intended to glorify God and this is what Solomon is going to bring us to in this following chapter into chapter 12 as he begins our thinking processes in chapter 11. But the overall thought is live life glorify God and this runs from chapter 11 verse 1 down through 1214 and he helps us to understand life. If someone asked you what is life how would you define it? I mean, we've been walking through Ecclesiastes for a while now, and there's a lot of things that we know that people in the world would define life by, and Solomon has debunked most of them, pulled them all apart, shown them for what they are. And he helps us then to come to a clearer definition as he moves us towards the end of this book. Life is an adventure. Live by faith. This is the first part of chapter 11. It takes great faith to live this life. We must trust God in every aspect of our life. Great words we sang as a kid are so true for us even as adults. Trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. But trust is so hard for us. So often we want to know what's around the next bend. God just says, trust me. (laughs) I've got this. Trust me. Life is a gift. We're going to reflect on that this morning, so therefore we are to enjoy it. But there are parameters for that enjoyment. It's not all-out indulgence. It's the same with with Galatians, that we have been set free. This is what Christ did for us. He set us free, not so that we could live a life of self-indulgence, but that we can serve other people. He set us free to service. It's a profound truth, but that's the truth. Life is school, so learn lessons in it. The school of hard knocks, right? I've learned a lot in the classroom, but I've learned far more out in life. And here's the thing I've learned as going to Bible school and then seminary and then teaching in a seminary, is that the classroom cannot prepare you for all the things in life. Can't. There are things that I faced as a pastor when people have come to me with issues in their life and so much difficulty that they face and the classroom did not prepare me for this. Life prepares you for this. Because in a classroom, everything is nicely boxed in and your theology is all squared away as far as the professor has said that it is. And you get your grade and you walk away and you think you've got it all figured out. And then you walk out into the world. What happens when you wind up in Africa and they have not one wife, but they have six wives. Now what do you do with that, right? This is where theology is fleshed out. So Solomon says life is a school. Learn lessons in it. God has a lot to teach us. A lot to teach us. The other thing is that life is a stewardship. We are to fear God and keep his commands. And this is where he brings us in the very end. He will land on this in verses 13 and 14. The conclusion when all has been heard is Fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil, God will bring it to light. Nothing remains hidden before God. And in the end, it will all be brought out. So I take you back to chapter 11, verses 1 through 6, that life, life is a life of Faith. And as I went back and was reflecting on these verses in light of the verses that follow in chapter 11, there is this saying that some would say, because life is short, eat your dessert first. Solomon says, give your dessert away. (laughs) We don't like that, right? I've earned this. Maybe we're at a point in our life where we felt like we put all our labor in, now it's my time. And sometimes this happens in our Christian life. We think, okay, I'll give God my life for a time, but eventually I'm going to get my life back and I get to do what I want to do. So I remember where there was an elderly gentleman and he had served the Lord for years on the mission field. Seventy years old. He decides now it's time for his life. Divorces his wife and goes off and runs off with a younger woman. That, my brothers and sisters, is not finishing well. I want to finish well. The start matters, the middle matters, and how you end matters. And this is what Solomon is going to challenge in us in because he's going to talk about the issue of the things that we possess, right? And, and the things that we own, whatever it may be, it may be gone tomorrow. So what do I do with it? And oftentimes we realize this and we want to hang on to that which we possess. And I put this generally, whatever it is that you possess, it could be your time, your energy, your effort, your things, whatever they may be. We tend to want to hold on to these things and then there's going to come a time where we really get to live and use them. But how do you know they're going to be there? I had an ability to draw for years. I don't know if I could do anything with a pencil anymore. But I I thought that's what the Lord would have me do with my life. From as early as I can remember, that's all I did was drew. And I thought God was going to have me use art in some way whatsoever in my life. And then all of a sudden now it's gone. It's gone. I have an opportunity now, but I don't know if I'll have that opportunity tomorrow. God opens doors for us all the time. question is whether or not we're going to step through that door and do something and say something. And it doesn't take much in our life. Sometimes that open door is in the beginning of a golf course, right? When you're getting ready to tee off and all of a sudden you get a conversation with somebody and you get a chance to share your testimony. That can be all it is and everything that it is. Right? Grocery store. You're in there picking up your odds and ends of things that you need and someone stops and enters into a conversation with you. Open door. What do you do with that opportunity? Solomon is going to challenge us to turn our excuses into motivations. So often we're so busy in life and entangled in the affairs of everyday life that we don't realize these are opportunities for us to do ministry. To serve God and His kingdom. Sometimes we have these objections. I don't see how the blessing is going to come. I I don't see how my helping these people on the side of the road or anything else or doing this or doing that is going to work out. I don't see how this is going to flesh out, God. But here's the answer. Yes, there's an element of mystery to the things that we do in life because we don't know everything that God is doing. But God will use whatever you have to further his kingdom. And it doesn't have to be much. Remember the loaves and the fish. You can come to him and say, but God, I only have this little bit and I don't have a whole lot to share. And I don't have a whole lot of talent and I don't have a lot of this. And God just says, you give it to me and imagine what I can do with this. But how often we hold on to these things and we want to save them for a rainy day. And how do we know that that's even going to come again? It's always appropriate to be sowing seed, no matter what period of life we're in, no matter what we're going through. Psalm 126 says this, Sowing in tears, but reaping in joy. Or as Solomon puts it here in verse 6, Sow your seed in the morning and at the evening, don't let your hands be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. You have no idea what the turnout is going to be because God controls that. We don't. What we need to do is just act. Just act. Leave the results to Him. So often He gives us these opportunities to partake in something amazing that He is going to do in someone's life. And so often we're so busy that we fail to see that. Or we see it and we don't do anything about it. It's interesting because in this verse then he mentions the morning and the evening and this sets us up for his reference to the younger and the older and always he's going to remind us whether you're old or whether you're young it is always a time appropriate time to serve God and his people. It's always a time to be sowing seed. So he leads us now into verses 7 through 10 where we will finish this morning on the life of joy. Now This is really what he's talking about, the life of joy in verses 7 through 10. But someone has suggested that this is the summary of it. Think about dying and how to die well. There's some truth to this, right? But we don't like to think about dying. But Solomon has brought this before our mind's eye over and over and over again. Why? Because he wants us to understand the brevity of life. So I stand at this point in my life and look back, man, it has flown by. Right? It has flown by. But young people, they're walking into life and they're going to think, I've got all the time in the world. And Solomon's going to say, no, you don't. This is why I say Psalm 90, it's not for those of us who are older. It's for the kids. Help us to number our days so that we might offer you up a heart of wisdom. Not to say that we can't learn something from that, but young people, they think they have all the world before them. And there is an element of truth to that. They think they have all the time in the world, but they're all of a sudden going to reach a point in their life where they look back and think, where did it all go? Where did it all go? So Solomon, some thoughts that come in this section, then other thoughts that folks have had on these verses. Verses 7 through 8, life should be enjoyed because death is inevitable. Not to eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you die. That's not the mentality he's having here. But he is helping us to understand that we can enjoy life. Verses 9 through 10, enjoy life to the fullest under the fear of God. In other words, there's always this qualification that Solomon is going to give us. There are parameters for this enjoyment. It's not all out self indulgence. This isn't carpe diem. This is carpe divinas. It is to understand the things of God, but not to just merely seize the day for the day's sake. Seven through ten then are seeking the right kind of joy in seeking it early. Life at best is short, youth is short, youth and the prime of life are a vanity. So, this is the pathway he takes us on. And really what he's going to exhort us to do is that we are to enjoy life then within the boundaries of God's standards. There is a place for enjoyment. And this is where he begins in verse 7. The light is pleasant and it is good for the eyes to see the sun. It's a great place to start. This is a general statement for both the old and for the young. And he is going to deal with both of them in these verses. The young he's going to get to in verses 9 and following. He's going to deal with the old in verse 8. But here's the the overall statement as he walks into this section. That light is pleasant and it is good for the eyes to see the sun. Now what's interesting about this word that he uses here translated pleasant in most translations. In the Hebrew it is used in reference to honey. Matok. And I find this interesting that Solomon uses this term to talk about the pleasantness of life. Because he wants us to understand that life is sweet and it is pleasant and it should be enjoyed as honey. But just like honey, honey is good, but overindulgence in honey, not good. Right? The Proverbs warns us about this. You can have a taste for honey. You can eat honey. Honey is good. It is sweet to the taste. But if you eat too much honey... Right? You're going to make yourself sick. So it's interesting that he uses this term as he talks about the enjoyment of life and he introduces this thought to us. Seek enjoyment then within the boundaries of God's standards. Enjoy life, but enjoy it the way that God wants you to enjoy it. It's like marriage. I'm I'm getting ready for my my daughter's wedding. And there's intrepidation on my part (laughs) a little bit. Nervous about the whole thing, but this is an exciting time for her, an exciting moment in life. There are things that God has designed for a man and woman to partake in and enjoy within the confines of marriage as God designed it. The mess is not with God. The mess is with us. It isn't God's design of things. It isn't the order of life. It isn't even the enjoyment of life. That's not the problem. We're the problem. It's we who take these good things and we make them ultimates. It's we who take that which God has designed and we spit on it and we make it a mockery. So Solomon says look there is enjoyment to be had in life but understand there are parameters for this and so he begins off with this thought of rejoicing he's going to move to the thought of removing and then he's going to call us to remembrance and this is important because he's going to move in chapter 12 to the issue of obedience and that is what he is saying here in chapter 12 verse 1 when he uses the word to remember in Hebrew it is an idiom that is used in the Old Testament in reference to obedience it isn't just merely think more about God or bring these thoughts to mind about God and His truths but it is with the intent that you're going to walk in obedience to these things and thus he ends with chapter 12 verses 13 and 14. Understand His Lordship over your life. Enjoy life but understand (laughs) you do it within the confines of how God designed it to be. Now this is important for us to remember for us who are parents and grandparents. Because there are things that God has designed for kids to enjoy. And yet, sometimes, we rob them of that joy. Stop being such a kid. That's what they are. <laughs> right? Don't run around and play. What are you doing? Right? Or oh, we're in such a hurry for them to grow up. Don't make it anything more than what God intended it to be. So he starts off in verse 7, enjoy the light of day. Being alive is a good thing, right? There is a connection biblically between light, sun, life in the scriptures. It's always that we walk through the scriptures, whether we're talking about spiritual dimensions or what have you. But light is always a positive thing. Darkness is always a negative thing, right? Light is life. Light is truth. Light is holiness, goodness. Darkness is everything that, right? And opposite to light. And I know that this is difficult, because I don't know about you, but so often my mornings are not great. I really don't want to get out of bed. When I finally can fall asleep, there are mornings I don't want to get up and move. Because I know that every movement that I make, it's going to hurt. It hurts just laying in bed. It's hard for me to start a day so often with a positive attitude of accepting that this is a good thing. But Solomon says, goodness of life is light. To see the sun is to be alive, right? How pleasant to see a new day dawning. Hallelujah. We get another day of life. That is a gift from God, is it not? That is a gift from God. So oftentimes I have to do this discussion in my head and I have to talk myself into it. This is another day for me to serve the Lord. It's not ultimately about how I feel. It's about whether or not he's glorified. Doesn't matter what I go through so long as his name is exalted and magnified. That's all that matters, right? Paul said whether by life or by death so long as Christ is magnified in my body, right? Each day, then, is a fresh gift from God. Solomon wants us to understand. Enjoyment comes from our attitude, the ability to appreciate God and His good gifts. It comes from the inside out. It starts with our attitude of receiving these things from God and realizing this is something that God is giving us, something that we don't deserve. We don't deserve another day of life, do we? For the wages of sin is... Death. That isn't just referring back to Adam and Eve when they sinned and death came upon us. That's the first time that you think a sinful thought. That's the first time that your will was in in rebellion against God. From that moment on, you deserved it, right? Death. Ephesians chapter 3, just in case you think, well, that's Old Testament, but not New Testament stuff. What is the wages of sin, right? Death. He also talks about the fact that we are by nature children of wrath. The fact that I have another day of life physically is a gift from God. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. What I deserve is eternity in hell. The fact that I'm not getting that and I get another day to serve God and glorify God. And not only that, but I also have hope in Christ that I am going to be with Him in glory forever and ever and ever and ever. Worshipping Him on end. <laughs> it's amazing. So accept each day as a fresh gift from God and let us seek His help to act wisely for His glory and to joy it as His gift. Sometimes we do this in our life. We get so focused on the things that we're not doing right that we fail to see the growth that's happened. Maybe you don't do this. Maybe you see all the... But sometimes we do this, right? And we fail to look at the steps of growth. We have. We're have. we struggling with this thing in our life. And, and I think we just I can't get over this sin. I'm, I'm wrestling with this thing. I can't get over this. Right. And I can't deal with this. And we fail to see the positive things, the growth we've already had up to this point. But when we fail to see those things, we fail to acknowledge that God is working in our life. And thus, then we fail to give him glory. How many times do I rob God of His thanks and His praise and His glory in my life when I fail to acknowledge the good things He's done? (laughs) And I say, yes, we need to deal with that sin, but don't forget that you need to thank God that you've come this far as it is. And we need His help. We have His wisdom. But wisdom applied without God? We are going to falter in this. And so Solomon is going to help us to understand this when he brings us to a close in chapter 12. Yet this exhortation, it's interesting, as he deals with the issue of life, it is done with an eschatological context. Notice verse 9 of chapter 11. Yet know that God will bring you to the judgment for all these things. Not a judgment, the judgment. There's an article here. Doesn't show up in our translations. Really unfortunate, but it's here in the Hebrew. Why? What's the point? It is the judgment at the end. And everything is going to be brought into account. And he then ends on this note in chapter 12, verse 14. He is leading us this way. Understand this. Enjoy life, but know that God is going to judge our motives and our actions. This is something that as a parent have to remind myself of. I don't know motives. I can't know motives. Only God knows that. Sometimes I try to tell my kids that, right? I try to tell them what their motives are and what they did. I don't know that. I'm not omniscient. Last time I checked, although Google makes me feel like I might be a little bit, but I'm not. Right? Only God knows the motives of our hearts, and God will judge those as well as the actions. That to me is scary. Because, see, I can do the right thing on the outside, (laughs) but on the inside, my heart is far from that deed. So, Solomon helps us to keep things in perspective. Enjoying life is lifelong, yes? This is his movement in verse 8. Indeed, if a man should live many years, let him rejoice in them all. Count your blessings in light of the certainty of your death. Life should be enjoyed because death is inevitable. He is going to mention the issue of darkness, and he's going to carry this into chapter 12. Take advantage of the days of youth before the days of darkness come upon you. They are coming. This is where he prepares the youth to understand listen to me. Time is not on your side. Time is like a circus, some have said, always packing up and moving away. Right? Every second, tick, tick, tick. Life just keeps ticking away, moment by moment. For us who are older, seize the time. We're running out of it. I want to end well. I don't want spiritually to be sitting on a rock or on a porch waiting for the Lord to come. This is a great reminder. I mean, for my father, that he's still now in his early 80s and he's still pastoring. And willing to step into that, right? I mean, he, he... was walked away from seminary. It was time for him to retire from that. He wasn't preaching anymore. Then a need comes in the body of Christ, and now he steps into that. And I'm always, for my father, I'm always appreciating the fact that he has always given me that example you serve God to the end. He's always looking for ways to do it. And it doesn't have to be big, it doesn't have to be grand. Just see the needs and step in and meet those needs with your life and see what God will do through that. Light is life but think, of each, think about death while you were enjoying it. It's not endless. It's good to be alive, but what follows even long life is infinitely longer than life under the sun. Solomon helped us to understand this. He said eternity is set in our hearts by God. We know there's something bigger beyond all of this. Man wants to resign himself to living life under the sun, but Solomon has helped to see that, that there is something grander and greater beyond all of this. And however long this life is down here, where we will be with God is forever. Right? That's amazing. So whatever we go through in this life cannot compare to what is awaiting us then. So be expended. Burn the candle at both ends. Why not? I'd rather burn out than fade away, as the saying goes. Use me up, Lord, however you want to use me. Tell the very end. Suck me dry. Doesn't matter. <laughs> because as the saying goes, I'll rest when I'm six feet under. <laughs> now my rest comes when I enter into glory. Remember Billy Graham, at the end of his life, he said, don't give me anything for the pain. I want to feel all of it because I want to feel the release when it comes when I enter into my Father's glory. Enjoy and take advantage of each season of life, verse 9. Now this was interesting because this is for the young people, but this is also for us who are older. But the instruction that comes in your heart, right, Let your heart be pleasant during the days that you are young or your young manhood as he puts it here. Follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes. Now this might think that he is saying indulge everything. This is not overindulgence in life. This isn't gorging yourself on it. This isn't open season for anything and everything. A couple things that we need to understand and then we'll unpack it a little bit further. But notice this. First, That enjoyment involves the internal and the external. Your heart and then your eyes. There's an enjoyment in every dimension of our life. But then the the warning comes then that as a young person, you need to guard your hearts and your eyes. Right. Because either or both can be led into sin. This is the caution. And this is because he ends the verse the way that he does, yet know that God will bring you to judgment and all of these things. So he says, literally, walk in the ways of your heart. This isn't youthful flinging to satisfy the youthful desires within you. We need to remember that God expects young people to act like young people. This is the first thing we need to know. They're meant to enjoy life. They're meant to laugh. And to be cheerful and to be happy. There is an element of of cheer and joy that comes. An innocent happiness that they are to experience in life. But as parents we want them to hurry up and grow up. So I remember saying to my younger brother years and years and years ago. Just enjoy being a kid. (laughs) You're going to have to be a grown up soon. And you're going to have to take on all these responsibilities. Just enjoy being a kid. Unfortunately, not all lives work out this way. But at the same time, for us as parents, we need to encourage our children to be children. Let them be creative, (laughs) let them express that. Now, there are parameters to that. Yes, I understand that, right? But so often, we're, we're, we're stifling things. And so often, and I, so I had to talk with my twins last night. And this is my promise I made to them. <laughs> because something happened yesterday evening with some of their friends. And I sat down with my boys and I said, listen to me. I'm going to promise to you that I'm going to try to remember what it was like to be a kid. Because I realize I forget. I forget what life is like as a kid. Not to have all of the worries. Right? Right? To do fun things, and it's okay to do fun things. To go climb on the fence and a slat gets broken. So what? Replace it. It's no big deal. But sometimes we come unglued over the most ridiculous things just because they're being kids. And we forget oftentimes we did these things and they were an enjoyment for us. And sometimes I've even forgotten that I taught my kids when they were younger, my older kids will remember this, is that I've taught them to look at life from a different perspective. It's not a bad thing. We get such tunneled vision and such focus like this that we forget all this stuff around here and we don't take a step back and look at big picture and be objective and all of this. We get so tunneled vision that we fail to see what's really going on But sometimes I fail to remember that I taught my kids to think that way. And then when they start thinking that way, and then I tell them to stop thinking that way, right? Then they say, well, dad, make up your mind. (laughs) So the exhortation is for young people, rejoice. Life is wonderful. Be young. Enjoy it, take it in, but remember that you must give an account to God for everything that you do. There's the parameter, right? There's the parameter. The judgment. Life must be lived with an eternal perspective. But here's the thing. If I'm not doing this as a a parent and a grandparent, can I really expect my kids and grandkids to do this? If they don't see the example in my life of doing this. Enjoyable as it is, it is coming to an end, verse 10. So, this is also for the young people, and Easy takes his thought further. So, remove grief and anger from your heart and put away pain from your body. I wish I could do that. Latin phrase, tempus fugit. Tempus, it's Latin for time is where we get our English word fugitive from, fugere. It means to flee. Time flies. This is what Solomon says. For youth and prime of life, literally, they are fleeting. They're a havel. Here today, gone tomorrow. It isn't that life is fleeting and so therefore I need to indulge every moment of it. No. It's that life is fleeting and you need to live it to its fullness, to the glory of God. Live life. Glorify God. It isn't that these stages in life are unimportant and a waste of time. And oftentimes we act like this in in the Jewish belief, right? In Judaism, in Jesus' day, until you were 13, you were considered irrelevant. You didn't have a voice in society. You couldn't even speak. For a woman, not at all. For a young man, not until you're 13. Once you're 13, you're considered a son of the law. Now you can say something that means something. Until then, children didn't talk, they didn't have interaction, no communication. What they said didn't matter. They were unimportant until they reached a certain age. Sometimes we get like that as adults. We act like until you get to a certain point, I can't have a relationship with you. But that's not so at all. He isn't demeaning these moments of life and saying that they're a waste of time and they're irrelevant. He is saying quite the opposite. They are everything. Take full advantage of these moments in your life. Every season that you find yourself in, by God's design, live life. Give yourself fully to living life and glorifying God. Seize every opportunity. For one thing is for sure, we're not getting any younger. Time is surely linear. Someone has described life by seven stages. This is interesting. Spills, drills, thrills, bills, ills, pills, and then wills. It's a grim picture, isn't it? If you're going to do something with your life, now is the time. Now is your window of opportunity. As I've had people say, well, I've never heard that from the Bible before. Well, now you heard it. Now you're responsible for it. David wrote in Psalm 39, he said, "O oh Lord, help me understand my mortality and the brevity of life. Let me realize how quickly my life will pass. Look, you make my day short-lived, and my lifespan is nothing from your perspective. Surely all people, even those who seem secure, are nothing but vapor, Surely people go through life as mere ghosts. Surely they accumulate worthless wealth without knowing who will eventually haul it away. The saying goes, you never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. You don't take it with you. You never have anyone say at the end of their life, man, I should have bought a bigger television. You know what they think on? Time that I wasted. Relationships that weren't right, that should have been righted. Things that I could have been doing with other people and I should have been doing with them. But I was too busy making excuses. The young don't think that they will have any kind of sorrow in their life, but he tells them there's going to be grief, there's going to be anger, there's going to be pain. When you're young, you don't think you're going to face those things. Even when they break bones, they think they're invincible. They're going to go on forever. I had a friend like that. He had these major accidents, and the last one, we got hit by a drunk driver. He and I were in a car with a friend of ours. None of us had seatbelts because the car didn't have any. So we got blindsided by a drunk driver, and he put his face in the windshield. And at the end of that, his statement to me was, Steve, look at how indestructible I am. I said, man, you got it all wrong. But this is how you feel when you're young, right? <laughs> I'm going to have a, a ripe old age. I'm going to live long. I'm going to have this full life. There's no guarantee about tomorrow. None of us know this. So there are privileges that must be balanced by personal responsibilities. Practice contentment. Try to mitigate emotional, physical distractions. This is what he's dealing with. Some translations render this word vexation. It's a combination of anger and discontentment, which leads to resentment. We don't think the things in life are fair that we are experiencing. And Solomon says, get these things out of your heart because you're going to go through difficult times and you're going to want to go this way in your heart. And I'm going to tell you, you need to get this out of your heart because you're going to waste opportunities that you could be serving and doing and growing and thriving and planting seeds and seeing them reaped. You're going to miss out on all of these things if you let yourself go here. You can find yourself resenting the hand of God that was dealt you, right? This is complete opposite of contentment. We know that godliness with contentment is of great gain. Be happy where you are. We will not always be dealing with ideal circumstances and conditions. If we are living in the will of God, we will have the peace of God in our hearts. But that's assuming you have a relationship with God. Because if you don't have peace with God, you will not have the peace of God. But God has promised us whatever we're going through, His love will never leave us. And we can have that unthinkable, incomprehensible peace in the midst of great difficulties. We can have that as believers in Christ. So final thoughts, then appropriate appreciate every day that you are alive, without a doubt. Thank God for another day of service. Prepare for death by counting your blessings every day. There's so many things that happen that we don't even think about, right? So many things that God does for us that we fail to acknowledge. Acknowledge them. Just stop. takes a couple seconds, right? My son started doing this. He says, I'm gonna, I'm, I started doing this, Dad. Before I come home, before I sit down to eat after work, and I'm starving hungry by the time work is done, and I want to go home and I want to eat. But he says, I've started to sit down and just spend time in prayer and reading the Word before I would have my dinner. He said, because I wanted to have the right heart attitude when I went into it. He said, because what if one of my friends calls me and says, well, my car's broken down, and I need you to come and help me. He said, I know I would get cranky and crabby and be upset and all of this stuff, right, and miss a moment to do something for the glory of God. So he said, for me, this is what I'm doing. So he does that at break at work. He says, I'll go to the drinking fountain. Before I take a drink, I'll just read a verse from my Bible. Got it on my phone. Read it, and then I'll take a drink. Because I've figure that spiritual nurturing is far, right, better than the physical. So he's putting these habits into practice. But it's all about the mindset and perspective. So often we walk through a day and fail to see all the different things that God does in the course of our day. And we don't thank him for it. Verse 9, pursue your dreams. Take advantage of each season of life, yet with balance guarding against indulgence. Our kids should be able to dream. But I always tell them look to the Lord to help shape those dreams. And always lean on the Lord in those dreams. Practice contentment. Try to mitigate emotional and physical distractions. There's going to be a lot of things that come in life that are going to side you, and they're going to distract you from the things that you need to do. Solomon is going to finally move us into chapter 12, and he's going to call us for the urgency of a decision. And this is a great place for us to end for a time. You will get a reprieve for a Sunday, and we'll come back and look at chapter 12 and how Solomon will end it all for us. It's a great book. It's a great book. I enjoyed the process and the journey of going through it. Prayerfully, we don't set these lessons aside, but we embrace them and continue to walk in the truths that we've learned thus far from God's Word. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, we're so thankful to you we praise you. We sing the words, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. May we walk into this week singing this, Father, in all the things that you do for us through the course of the day. May we get up in the morning and sing hallelujah. May we accept every provision that you make for us in that day, saying hallelujah, hallelujah. For all the mess that we make of your system and your design and your way of life. For all the ways in which we take those good things and we make them ultimates and we displace you with them. And Father, your grace and mercy and the forgiveness that comes. For all the times that we do that and confess that to you. May we say hallelujah. For all the times that we fail you and you never fail us, may we say hallelujah. For all the little ways in which you reveal your care and love for each one of us individually, so uniquely, so uniquely that others around us who are close to us don't even realize that you're doing that for us. But may we acknowledge those moments and say hallelujah. May we rejoice in our youth, may we rejoice in our old age, may we rejoice in the life that you have given us, not just physically, but more importantly, spiritually. And for all the blessings that we have in Christ our Savior, All we can say is hallelujah. I pray for your blessing upon all your people this day. Father, for those who are suffering for the sake of their relationship with Christ and